0: Chapter Seventeen of Brute of the Witch Queen by Sax Romer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Seventeen The Story of Ali Mohammed. Saluting each of the three in turn, the tall Egyptian passed from Dr. Cairn's room. Upon his exit, followed by a brief but electric silence, Dr. Cairn's face was very stern, and Syme, with his hands locked behind him, stood staring out of the window into the palmy garden of the hotel. Robert Cairn looked from one to the other excitedly. "'What did he say, sir?' he cried, addressing his father. "'It had something to do with—' Dr. Cairn turned. Syme did not move. "'It had something to do with the matter which has brought me to Cairo,' replied the former. "'Yes.' you see said robert my knowledge of arabic is nil sime turned in his heavy fashion and directed a dull gaze upon the last speaker ali Mohammed. he explained slowly who has just left had come down from the faim to report a singular matter he was unaware of its real importance but it was sufficiently unusual to disturb him and ali Mohammed, as sufi is not easily disturbed dr cairn dropped into an armchair nodding towards sime tell him all that we have heard he said we stand together in this affair well continued sime in his deliberate fashion when we struck our camp beside the pyramid of maidum ali mohammed remained behind with a gang of workmen to finish off some comparatively unimportant work he is an unemotional person fear is alien to his composition it has no meaning for him but last night something occurred at the camp, or what remained of the camp, which seems to have shaken even Ali Mohammed's iron nerve. Robert Cairn nodded, watching the speaker intently. The entrance to the Maidam Pyramid, continued Syme. One of the entrances, interrupted Dr. Cairn, smiling slightly. There is only one entrance, said Syme dogmatically. Dr. Cairn waved his hand go ahead he said we can discuss these archaeological details later sime stared dully but without further comment resumed the camp was situated on the slope immediately below the only known entrance to the Maidum pyramid one might say that it lay in the shadow of the building there are tumuli in the neighborhood part of a prehistoric cemetery and it was work in connection with this which had detained Ali Mohammed in that part of the Fayum. Last night, about ten o'clock, he was awakened by an unusual sound, or series of sounds, he reports. He came out of the tent into the moonlight, and looked up at the pyramid. The entrance was a good way above his head, of course, and quite fifty or sixty yards from the point where he was standing but the moonbeams bathed that side of the building in dazzling light so that he was enabled to see a perfect crowd of bats whirling out of the pyramid." "'Bats?' ejaculated Robert Cairn. "'Yes, there is a small colony of bats in this pyramid, of course, but the bat does not hunt in bands, and the sight of these bats flying out from the place was one which Ali Mohammed had never witnessed before. Their concerted squeaking was very clearly audible.' He could not believe that it was this which had awakened him and which had awakened the ten or twelve workmen who also slept in the camp, for these were now clustering around him and all looking up at the side of the pyramid. Vayum nights are strangely still, except for the jackals and the village dogs and some other sounds to which one grows accustomed, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, audible in this stillness then the flapping of the bat regiment made quite a disturbance overhead some of the men were only half awake but most of them were badly frightened and now they began to compare notes with the result that they determined upon the exact nature of the sound which had aroused them it seemed almost certain that this had been a dreadful scream the scream of a woman in the last agony he paused, looking from Dr. Cairn to his son, with a singular expression upon his habitually immobile face. "'Go on,' said Robert Cairn. Slowly Syme resumed. "'The bats had begun to disperse in various directions, but the panic which had seized upon the camp does not seem to have dispersed so readily. Ali Mohammed confesses that he himself felt almost afraid—a remarkable admission for a man of his class to make.' picture these fellows then standing looking at one another and very frequently up at the opening in the side of the pyramid then the smell began to reach their nostrils the smell which completed the panic and which led to the abandonment of the camp the smell what kind of smell jerked robert cairn dr cairn turned himself in his chair looking fully at his son the smell of hades boy he said grimly and turned away again naturally continued sime i can give you no particulars on the point but it must have been something very fearful to have affected the egyptian native there was no breeze but it swept down upon them this poisonous smell as though borne by a hot wind was it actually hot i cannot say but ali Mohammed is positive that it came from the opening in the pyramid it was not apparently in disgust but in sheer stark horror that the whole crowd of them turned the tail and ran they never stopped and never looked back until they came to rekka on the railway a short silence followed then that was last night questioned cairn his father nodded the man came in by the first train from wasta he said and we have not a moment to spare sime stared at him i don't understand i have a mission said dr cairn quietly it is to run to earth to stamp out as i would stamp out a pestilence a certain thing i cannot call it a man antony ferrara i believe sime that you are at one with me in this matter sime drummed his fingers upon the table frowning thoughtfully and looking from one to the other of his companions under his lowered brows with my own eyes he said i have seen something of this secret drama which has brought you dr cairn to egypt "'and up to a point I agree with you regarding Anthony Ferrara. "'You have lost all trace of him?' "'Since leaving Port Said,' said Dr. Cairn, "'I have seen and heard nothing of him. "'But Lady Lashmore, who was an intimate "'and an innocent victim, God help her, "'of Ferrara in London, "'after staying at the Semiramis in Cairo for one day departed, "'where did she go?' "'What has Lady Lashmore to do with the matter?' asked Syme if what i fear it be true replied dr cairn but i anticipate at the moment it is enough for me that unless my information be at fault lady lashmore yesterday left cairo by the luxor train at eight thirty robert cairn looked in a puzzled way at his father what do you suspect sir he asked i suspect that she went no further than wasta replied dr cairn still i do not understand declared sime you may understand later was the answer we must not waste a moment you egyptologists think that egypt has little or nothing to teach you the pyramid of midum lost interest directly you learnt that it apparently contained no treasure how little you know what it really contained sime mariette did not suspect sir gaston maspero does not suspect the late Sir Michael Ferrara and I once camped by the Pyramid of Maidam, as you have camped there, and we made a discovery.' "'Well,' said Sime, with growing interest, "'that is a point upon which my lips are sealed. But do you believe in black magic?' "'I am not altogether sure that I do.' "'Very well. You are entitled to your opinion.' but although you appear to be ignorant of the fact, the Pyramid of Midam was formerly one of the strongholds, the second greatest in all the land of Egypt, of ancient Egyptian sorcery. I pray, heaven, I may be wrong, but in the disappearance of Lady Lashmore and in the story of Ali Mohammed, I see a dreadful possibility. Ring for a timetable. We have not a moment to waste.' End of chapter 17, read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California